All right, the thing says it. We are recording. Uh, let's kick off the music. Let's start BeelerCast. Oh my God, we did it. We had intro music play when it was supposed to play. I feel like we have arrived. I feel well, like we're ready for an audience. Perhaps maybe someone will, maybe some people will tune in or listen to this podcast now that we've actually got the intro music done. Mark, Mark the Machine, well done. Well done, sir. Thank you. So that was Mark, Mark the Machine is is, uh, helping out today as always. Uh, sidekick extraordinaire. We'll see where this goes. He's, he's made it to week three. First two weeks, not so much. We have Nicholas. Nicholas. Correct. The mute. Correct. Ah, well, he broke that already, so that nickname no longer works. <laughs> oh, it's a shame. Um, <laughs> and then we have Melissa, the collaborator, Melissa Chapman, who, of course, helps with all things uh, Beeler Tech, and will keep this this ship afloat well beyond we us driving it into the rocks so thank you melissa for for you doing that and uh yeah so it's uh normally the fall this particular time of year is um in-person conference out the wazoo every day is another day to have some kind of event advertising week used to be about this time we typically you know there's there's so much of that stuff and of course not so much this year uh we do have an event, I guess, next week uh, is happening in Miami. Uh, I'm not sure myself that I would be sending anyone that I cared to or love to to Florida unless they were already there. Uh, okay. And then we've got Ops, which will be in New York, October 4th and 5th. And uh, Melissa and I have been working on that. Nicholas will be there. So it'll be a little Beeler Tech reunion or business meeting, if you will, at, at Ops. And it's always exciting. Our guest, one of the reasons why I know Jonathan Mendez is that he was often a guest of mine at the Ad Monsters conferences. Uh, in fact, we're going to end the the podcast with a little bit of an Ad Monsters flashback. So um, we'll go back to at least one moment. He might think of some others. He might he might want to uh, to divert on that. But I am excited about having Jonathan. He was one of the first people that I thought about for. Uh, the podcast in part because um jonathan's a straight shooter we'll, we we say that that's the uh that's the let's say positive way to put that uh jonathan does drops drops bombs typically that's what he did on twitter in terms of ad tech so that's kind of where we're going to start uh in terms of that conversation then we're going to talk about cdps which was an area of his focus He's got an app that's coming out that he's working, been working on and want to talk about that. And then we'll get to the flashback. But uh, just real quickly, Jonathan's worked at uh, um, Amateur, mostly known in my circle around Yieldbot. And the only thing is I'll say before Jonathan, I'll, I'll, let's, let's kind of catch up and see what I've, I've missed on all that, is that Jonathan will most likely say something that I completely and 100% disagree with, but I leave it as my option as to whether I take him up on it or not. I will choose wisely because um, that's the way, that's the kind of guy that I am. 
Jonathan, is that a good enough setup? Is there, what did I miss about your past that we need to know or anything else about you that we need to know before we start doing this? That was wonderful, Rob. Thank you very much. It is a, a pleasure to be here with you and your illustrious crew, uh, which uh, <laughs> I got to know a little bit before on the pre-call and uh, just honored uh, to be a guest here uh, on Beeler Tech. I think you've, uh, you've covered it well. Um, I've seen a lot in my 20 plus years in this crazy business. So um, happy to share a little bit of that with everybody. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And thanks. And uh, so let's, let's kind of dive in again. So you, uh, I used to follow your, your Twitter uh, religiously. Yeah. Well, I, you're not quite, I'll be, you're not quite as interesting as much anymore because part of it is because yeah. you were an ad tech vendor basically mm -hmm. throwing ad tech under the bus on a daily wow. basis. Someone would say something and you'd call bullshit on a daily basis. Am yes. I, am I wrong? No, that is not. Wrong. <laughs> okay, cool. So, so talk to me about that. So first of all, uh, again, with, you know, you were, you were a part of, you were part of the problem while trying to fix the problem. I was trying uh, to fix the problem for sure. Um, that's what drew me into the space. Actually, you know, I was a, a search guy, um, uh, before that and, um, got into display because I saw just how kind of, uh, seamlessly kind of crazy and, um, you know, corrupt and, um, I don't know what the right words are, but it just was a, it just seemed to have lots of issues and challenges. And I thought there was uh, a better solution. I guess it really was the cookie originally that drew me in thinking that, you know, coming from search and understanding how search ads were matched based on intent and really explicit query. Um, and that I looked at display and I saw that people were matching ads against these third party cookies and kind of creating all of these strange profiles and how really poor the data was being used. And, you know, the, the, the kind of lack of quality control with the data that was even being used. And I just felt like there was a better way to do it. Uh, so set out to, uh, to build that. Um, and boy, and, did the, what did the industry prove you wrong? I mean, obviously <laughs> things have never been better, Jonathan. And the third party cookie is just stronger. Yeah. Wait, hold on a second. I'm getting a note from my, Never mind. Uh, <laughs> well, that was one of the things that you always brought up, right? Was that, you know, if you look at search, search is a user, uh, a, a person giving and explicitly calling out intent of mm -hmm. what they wanted. Yeah. And Google had built an engine to service that. And then here we are kind of tangentially trying to do the same thing or, or pitching the same thing without really any guideposts to kind of keep it right. Like, you know, just in terms of how you thought about audience and, and yep. so forth. So I think that was the kind of, like the, the number one area you kind of always attack people on was, does this actually work? Yes, because it doesn't work really. Um, and, um, you know, I think what we were able to do at Yieldbot was actually build a display technology that did was high performance. And I think, uh, you know, probably most similar to an ad network because we had to kind of keep the data to ourselves and we used our own first party data to kind of do our matching. Um, we had our own uh, ad server and whole ad system. So, you know, it was really about um, 
um, understanding the data learning over time, running machine learning and ML over those data sets to make them better, um, all kinds of things that, um, you know, ad networks, you know, have had done and did uh, back in the day. Um, but it turns out that nobody really cares about the performance of, uh, of, of display advertising, um, as we could tell through the click-through rates and, um, you know, uh, issues uh, with actually figuring out even if the ads are performing, all formerly known as attribution. Um, so, you know, I think there was a lot of, uh, that, that was really a kind of uh, eye-opening thing to me is that at the end of the day, uh, no one really, except maybe the brands, but no one really cared about the performance of the, of the spend. Um, uh, it was more about spending it than it was actually uh, understanding and getting good ROAS. So we're, it's, we're built on a house of lies is basically, or at um, least fluff, if you will. Well, yeah, because if you look at the data, right, the, 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 the deeper you dig and um, yeah, I mean, lies is, is, is a strong well, term. So just to put this out there, I actually went stronger in my term than Jonathan is. So I just, perhaps, perhaps we have changed. Perhaps we've all evolved. Here, oh, what's that line? Lies and something else. Um, um, yeah. Um, yes, there's a lot. I mean, listen, it's well known that there is a, uh, a tremendous amount of fraud. There always has been a tremendous amount of fraud, tremendous amount of bad inventory, um, you know, I mean, all of the display, um, you know, kind of the pillars of display, inventory matching, I mean, there, there's all real issues there. And, um, you know, I mean, frankly, if, if you go back even further, and you think about some of the early display, the pop ups, and some of the other things that were done back in the day, um, you know, it was all kind of display kind of came out of this dark underbelly of the web in the beginning. Um, and, and that's what, you know, that's what really attached it to the cookie and kind of using the cookie in a, in a hacking the cookie, if you will, because it wasn't originally obviously, you know, meant or created for what it was used for, but display people kind of hacked that to their own use. So, yeah, I mean, if you get into it, uh, maybe it was all built on a bunch of, you know, kind of uh, bullshit. Well, let's, let's put it this way. I know that I can't run for public office, like at any significant level, because all someone has to do is bring up that I served up pop unders as part of my job. That's all I <laughs> votes lost. Like you were one of them. And I'd be like, I was one of those. I'd have to own up to it. Uh, so I'm curious though. And again, I don't know how much you, you watch this or care or whatever, but like between regulation, between what Apple's doing, between the the death of third party cookie to all this stuff, ad tech is obviously uh, starting to uh, reap what it's sown to mm -hmm. that point. And I'm kind of curious if you have thoughts in terms of where this goes. In other words, will this get us back on track to your point about being a performant industry or medium, if you will, or channel, I'm, I'm trying to think of the right words. Uh, will we react that particular way or, or, or what, what's your take on the future of, of ad tech and so forth? Yeah, the future of ad tech is the large platforms as it as is the present. Um, and they're only becoming stronger and more dominant. The, you know, the walls, the walled gardens are, are, are getting higher. Those walls are growing. Um, 
So um, yeah, I'm 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 very bearish on open web and the open web ad ecosystem. I think that is really where you know there people are reaping what they sowed, and um, um, you know I think the agencies will be fine because they'll still be funneling monies into the platforms, so they have those relationships. Although the platforms will always still try to intermediate and take more margin for themselves and, you know, obviously growing sales teams, working directly with clients. So I think that will squeeze the agency somewhat. Um, you know, I, I, I blame the agencies a lot for what happened. I think, you know, they were, um, well, one, they were pushing, they pushed the data, you know, story and, and, and the third party data um, tremendously. They built, you know their own their own systems around it. Um, they took those dollars from their clients um, without you know really their clients' best interests in mind. And you know we've we've I think we all know that we've seen you know Pritchard and P and G and all these these huge um, you know multinational companies come out and the CMOs you know talk uh, talk you know negatively about what's happened uh, in display and with data and with privacy. Um, so there's a lot of challenges there, but the platforms themselves also not to be trusted, as we know, um, you know, making up, <laughs> making up metrics for their clients um, coming out years later saying, oh, this, you know, didn't really operate. It was, you know, we, it was a half a second we measured when we told you it was two seconds of you, you know, I mean, those kinds of things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's also really hard to trust, you know, these large platforms as we see. So I think, uh, I think it's a challenging environment for advertisers and marketers, but, um, you know, I think it's, it's has always been about, although it's been a slow role of having a more direct relationship if you're a brand with your customer. And I think we're seeing a lot more investment there, um, especially as of late and brands building those capabilities and investing in that rather in media. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the, the part for me on that uh, is that of course, the, again, the platforms are going to serve a purpose, and the agencies are going to use them. And I'm I, like, I'm not uh, thinking there's any way that anyone else is going to dis. You know, th th they're only going to put themselves out by their practices <laughs> at some point. Again, if you were to play out that the eventually the good guys eventually win in, in some way, shape, or fashion, or, or they don't, we'll see. But there's well, a part there where I think no, there are no good guys. Oh, okay. Well, see, <laughs> he's back. This is what I was, this is, that's what I was looking for. Right. Um, but well, but see, here's the thing, right? Like, I think that there's a, there is an aspect of publishers are going to have to, so brands are going to work on their relationship with their customers. Mm -hmm. They're always going to be looking for more customers and how to acquire them. And then again, treat them. Even brands have to treat our people better. Right. Yep publishers have a potential role in that if they can get that trust and that comes down to again cleaning up how they approach all of this it's a it's a it's been a relationship yeah. that i think is assumed but i think okay i, mean, I think the again, trust like, is uh, gone i think for the most part the trust is gone between the brands and the publishers um I, I think the trust has gone everywhere listen trust is gone in all of our institutions in the world right now so there, no one trusts anybody uh but, but getting away from i, the I trusted that you were going to say something like that i will the say geopolitical say. landscape for a second um yeah i think what's happening is brands will uh, and i think you're seeing this and, and we'll continue to see it right brands are taking their own content and their own publishing you know in-house themselves uh, you know and and 
using that as a way to um, one, um, you know, reach their customers and the potential customers directly. Um, you know, two, also, I think there's a, there's a big data component to that as well. So that's important. Uh, first party data. And so brands want to be able to get as much as they can of it. Um, and I think that's really, you know, kind of how this is going. Everything, you know, all the, my gosh, are, are we done with all the middlemen already? I mean, can't we get rid of all of these people <laughs> in the middle uh, between the brand and the customer? What, what, what good are they doing? All they're doing is driving up the prices siphoning siphoning things out i look every time uh, i hear everyone going up oh, we're ready for consolidation it seems like for one consolidation 10 other companies pop up right but here's here's what i would where i would leave with this right is well not you know we have to leave it here but i would say definitely brands are going to to do what you're talking about brands are going to continue to work with the the major platforms i think they were they're always going to be looking for that other channel for a different opportunity. I mean, look look at it this way. There's always a piece where slapping an ad on something makes you more money than than you had. And there's always someone that's usually willing to pay for that, right? You in ways from just bumper stickers all the way up to uh Jeff Bezos and the watch that he wears when he goes up into space, right? Like there's any number of ways that all of this plays for there yeah. to be that other avenue. Now, do we need all the nonsense? No. And that's the part where I'm saying that's the part that gets, I think starts to get cleared up because you can't as a publisher. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Beeler tech has swag, right? That gives you an idea that you could slap an ad on anything. Yeah. Um, thanks Mark. Uh, so you hit on data though. And I, I want to talk to you because again, you, uh, you shifted your focus to CDPs and I'm really kind of curious as to that to the state of CDPs where you, what you're thinking about is going on in that space. And, yep. and uh, I'm sure we'll have some questions for you there. Yeah. So, um, so when I was at Yieldbot, we Q4 16, we were the fourth largest ad network um, out there behind Google, Facebook, Yahoo. Um, and as measured by Comscore. Um, although we talked about measurement a little earlier, so who, who really knows? Yeah, um, yeah, Jonathan. Uh, Dream score is another <laughs> another subject altogether. We'll, we'll stay away from uh, from that. Um, um, as is Nielsen. Um, really interesting. All these uh, a whole bunch of cast of characters in the measurement space. Um, but leaving that aside, um, what we saw, I, we saw a lot of headwinds that quarter. It was the election quarter, too, uh, if you remember uh, that election. Um, and so we, we had a lot of headwinds. We missed our numbers that quarter. Um, and for me, it was a big wake up call that we had to kind of change the direction uh, that we were going to and really be less reliant on agencies and agency deals. It, you know, one of the reasons we missed is agencies were moving everything to their desks. They wanted to use their own data. They didn't. They didn't care about performance, all that stuff. So, um, and it was at that time that I felt like uh, we needed to change the direction of the business and actually get closer to the brands. We had first-party data. They had first-party data. Um, there was, I think, a lot of interesting ways to uh, to combine that data and for us to become less of an ad tech company and more of a martech company. Um, 
our board of directors uh, didn't see it, and some people in the company didn't see it the same way. They actually wanted to get deeper engaged in third-party data. And as you know, Rob, that's not something I'm interested in. Um, so I left and um, started getting involved in, in what was, in, you know, kind of wasn't even really called that at the time, really just kind of emerging as the customer data platform space uh, and meeting with brands. Um, and actually, the first thing I did, I, um, I went to work for J. Crew and started building their in-house customer data platform uh, for them with, uh, with some really uh, other smart and amazing people. And um, that was fascinating um, experience. Uh, but, you know, I think, I think at the end of the day, again, kind of following the data and, and, and who owns the data and, and who has data quantities and can use that data to understand customers better, uh, to anticipate their needs uh, to, um, you know, to, to target them effectively with relevant messages. Uh, brands have all of that and, um, and they have that direct relationship with the customer. So it's, there's no issues of privacy um, there uh, at all. Um, and so that became a really interesting space for me. And I, you know, really dove in head first, um, you know, at the build level, at the ground level, really starting to build uh, CDPs and understanding the players in the space um, Many of the independent players, especially in New York City, there's a bunch of really you know awesome CDPs there. Um, so, so New York, interestingly, was more of a home for CDPs uh, than um, than maybe even ad tech. Uh, and so, um, yeah, that was a that was an amazing few years for me. Um, you know, kind of building in that space and getting to understand the power of of that data and what can be done with it. Yeah, and. I think, uh, and so to me, that that was an interesting part where you and I started talking. And, and again, there's a, a part, um, just, just something that you just kicked off of my head is a recent conversation where we hosted a conversation, you know, we hosted uh, some people from the buy side and, and people from, from the publishing side and said, you know, what's the, where's the area to focus on how we could all connect? And everyone to a person said first party data. And then I had to kind of alert everyone to the fact that when they said first party data, they weren't talking about your first party data. <laughs> They're talking about whatever you use the term, you're talking about your first party data. To everyone else, that's third party data, unless you're connecting it, that is second party. Like there's a piece there that like almost whenever, and, and I remember like just talking to you about it and even myself catching myself going like, when you're talking about a CDP for a brand, right? That is their customers, that's their CRM, you know, extrapolated to the idea of profiles and, and so forth. As a publisher, I love the idea of profiling, but I'm doing it at, at a certain number. I'm just doing a version of a DMP, if you will, because mm -hmm. I don't really have that relationship. Right. Dot, 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 unless that's where we're going. Yeah. Which, I mean, you know. The brand know who knows who I am. They know my name. They know my address. They know my email address. They... I'm happy to give it to them. I need to receive those items I purchase online. They have to show up at my door. Um, you know, if they can text me special offers, maybe they have my phone number. If I go on my mobile, whatever it is, I, you know, that's not a, um, as a consumer, I'm okay with that. And as a brand that is incredibly valuable, right? I mean, that is the kind of atomic unit of data collection, the customer ID um, and to be able to build tables in a database uh, around that and start to understand the relationships 
um, uh, of, 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 the, of who I am and the products I buy and the things I browse and what I'm interested in and where I live and all of these things um, are incredibly, uh, incredibly powerful tools for brands to be able to leverage and uh, to do so in a privacy compliant way. Uh, so that is, you know, to me, so powerful. And then on the flip side, we can get into this a little bit, but, you know, I mean, obviously you saw right away Google, uh, you know, jump on this with, with you know, what they were doing um, in terms of, of being able to uh, use differential privacy and join that data together if I'm a brand with the Google data, right? And of course, Google knows me as well. Um, they certainly know who I am. They certainly know more about me oh. than probably anybody in they, the world. They know who you are, Jonathan. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> um, but that's fine. Like their products are free and uh, they're great. And I'm happy to use, I'm happy to make that exchange, right? That's the thing that, that always got lost in data is, you know, uh, people are happy to provide data if there's a value exchange there. So if I'm a, I, I'll give the brand my address, I'm happy to give Google my phone number for two-factor auth authentication, you know, when I'm logged out or logging back into my, my Gmail or to Chrome, right? So these are really important things. Um, and uh, there are benefits to me as a consumer on both ends. So um, yeah. you know, I think that's the nexus of, of the first party data and kind of the future. And, you know, what I was at the time really interested in, especially differential privacy and how that could be used. And, you know, what's emerging now with the, these ideas of clean rooms and places where data can be brought together in a privacy compliant way. And, and that to me, uh, you know, uh, was fascinating. And I think, you know, got me into that. And, um, you know, I still think that's the future as far as, you know, a first party data goes, um, you know, but again, it is a platform future for the most part. I mean, there will be independent, you know, vendors in there trying, and there are, uh, and CDPs, you know, trying to make a go of it. Uh, and I think that's great. I'm a startup guy. I'm on my fourth startup. I love it. Um, more power to those people. Um, but the, uh, the leverage that these platforms have, uh, whether it be Google or, or, or Microsoft or Amazon, um, um, you know, in the CDP space, you know, we've seen Salesforce and Oracle, right? I mean, these are, you know, now that you're getting into databases, um, uh, you know, these are, these are tough competitors. Uh, you know, they have quite the sales teams already. Right. They're on-prem, um, you know, so it's, uh, it's a challenging space uh, as well. Well, it's, it's interesting you mentioned MarTech and, you know, there's this whole convergence that's happening between, you know, ad tech and MarTech, this mad tech kind of, you know, terminology that's been out there. And I think for some publishers that are not traditional publishers, but, you know, that, that are retailers that are becoming publishers or retailers or brands that are, are becoming, you know, these direct to consumer plays where they're, they're trying to build on their first party data things like CDPs become very important. I've been shopping around for one, actually. Um, so I've had a, a little bit of a chance to kind of see the, the differences between, you know, the purpose of a DMP versus a CDP and why those things matter. And I, and I, 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 I like that, you know, that take on, could you, you know, start to blur those lines if you're a retailer or a publisher or a brand that also is in the advertising business too, and you're taking advantage of your first party data. And, you know, there's 8,000 
you know, MarTech companies out there. I don't know how many ad tech companies are sub, you know, subcategorized in that that list. So there is a lot of independents out there, and they're not all the you know the the big players in the market. Yep. But but it, but it's it is fascinating how there's there's been this little bit of a change in the last couple of years. You know, with do I need you know all these three letter acronyms? Do I need a DMP, a CDP? Yeah. Well, you mentioned something that I thought was interesting while I was in the space, which was really one of the problems I saw in the CDC. CDP space was that it hadn't yet kind of verticalized itself where you had CDPs that were focused on small business or you had CDPs that were focused on only enterprise or CDPs focused in, in banking versus retail or, you know, at the time that I went in, everyone was still kind of feeling around getting whatever deals they could. Um, now, of course, you know, everyone has those different entities have their own needs, um, different verticals have their own needs, different channels have their own needs. Uh, so, you know, you, even whatever product you're making, it's not a one size fits all, especially in B2B, um, most especially in B2B. So, you know, I think that was one of the challenges that the space had early on was almost defining itself. Um, and uh, I think we're a little further along with that now, um, you know, um, but you know, we'll, uh, we'll see. But I think, I think the, uh, the intent was to build this utopia of the 360 degree view of the customer. And, you know, there are some companies that do that and do it well. And there are other companies that are still struggling to kind of fit all those pieces together. And I think, you know, some of the CDP vendors have been agnostic where they're like, Hey, we're, we just sit in the middle and we're your connection point. Um, and, and they don't want to be in one side of your business or another. Um, so I think, I think there's a, it, it's interesting as you start to, to dive into the companies There are some that are, you know, one size fits all. And there's others that where you, it's like best of breed and you have to bring all these different components together. Yeah. Well, I, I'm a customer data guy. So I feel like, you know, when I was working with brands, um, on the CDP space, my prerogative was always, this is data you use, you know, in all parts of your, this is not just marketing and advertising data. This goes into financial projections. You could use it for merchandising. You could use it to help understand supply chain. I mean, there's so many areas where, I mean, customer data is the lifeblood of, of, of any business. And so um, that was really actually one of the things that excited me the most about CDPs is that they, they it felt like, you know, that data could be used everywhere. Now, of course, in large organizations, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of bureaucracy and politics and, you know, things like that. So uh, people have legacy systems, they have great relationships with those legacy vendors. Uh, it is really hard to, uh, you know, steer the ship, uh, the bigger the company you get. Um, and they have another, and they have another challenge too, right? Which is, uh, you know, in, in my mind, one of the things I think a lot about right now is, some of this thing about privacy and what does it mean to say to Procter and Gamble, you're okay to collect information. And then I realize, wait, to Procter and Gamble means all of those brands and everything they own. That's not quite what I, as a user signed up for. And so there's a part of that that gets really interesting in terms of the relationship again to the consumer. So they understand who they actually have a relationship with, yeah. right? Add the bureaucracy, then add to the fact that the does the consumer and and do you need to explain that uh, you know this company that you thought was a local soap company is actually owned by a, you know mega conglomerate entity type of thing, right? So it's it's yeah. tough to see how that plays out. 
it was a, it's a real challenge for CPG. I think uh, the first party data, there's no question. We, uh, I mean, at Yobot, we had a very large shopper marketing business. So we understood that space really well and the challenges there. And I think that is a lot of why the CPGs bought some of those early DTC brands is that because they had that direct relationship and, and it's, right. the data is incredibly valuable and that data can potentially be modeled out and, and, and you know, be, be used, um, you know, elsewhere. But, um, you know, obviously I'm not sure how well, I think there's varying degrees of success with, with how that has gone. Um, and there's also varying degrees of success with just DTC in general. It's, uh, you know, seems to, um, I mean, there's been a lot of successes, of course, but, you know, obviously, especially now with iOS 14 and rising CAC costs, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens to, to, to those businesses. Um, but again, the, there's no question that the, um, the direct relationship with the customer and the ability to, to have a value exchange where you can acquire uh, their data um, is the lifeblood for, for all marketing, you know, go forward. I want to keep an eye on on time because this is something we could go down this 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 for a, a long time. I'll say one thing that I'll, I'll share with you and just throw this out there for you to shoot down or whatever. Because at one time you and I were discussing this about I at first thought CDPs would be a feature of DMPs, and you said no, 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 uh, DMPs is a feature of CDPs. But what we just actually talked about is something I just occurred to me. One factor that I've been trying to think about again as you think about the future of a privacy regulation to the end of third-party cookies and whatever is the verticalization of a solution that can work for publishing, right? Now, again, yeah. that's that where you're putting your bets and, and so forth, and I get that, but there is a piece of it of something that like, like one of the things around all those tools was like, as, as if you had that data for all time to build up over time. And I got a feeling yeah, that there's a yeah. time component to this oh, that hasn't been factored in sure. that like speed is like everything. And to be able to create and think in terms of a profile and a segment and create this and then figure out what you're going to do. Do I sell them? Again, as a publisher, more publishers are coming out with e-commerce solutions. Can I sell them a product? Can I get them deeper into my brand? Or do mm -hmm. I get them in with my partners who are my brands that are advertising is this whole little new dichotomy that I think is going to start to see. And if someone could figure that out, that's a really interesting space to be. It's going to be tough sledding for publishers. I think I, I, you know, it was interesting when you were talking about kind of, you know, time series and understanding things over time. One of the unique things we did at Yobot was we put our, uh, you know, our code was in the ad slot. And once it was in the ad slot on a publisher, uh, we were able to see that those those you know ad slot on a URL, right? Um, you know that that's pretty consistent unless you redesign your site. And you know we were able to get performance on those slots over years and really understand, and then you know match that back to okay, how did that person get to this page, and what was performance like on that ad slot versus someone coming from this link or something come someone coming from this link? Because again, links are static, right? The navigation of a site is static. The, the links in Google are static. So there's all this incredible data that gets accumulated over time. And of course, the more data you have, the smarter you are. I think Vince Cerf famously said, Google didn't have better algorithms than any other search engine. They just had the most data. So, you know, I think that is something that is gets really lost when you think about data collection is, is having that data over time and, and understanding it and getting the quantities of it. And I think that's an area that publishers, you know, have not, not ever 
um, you know, not, not ever taken advantage of. Um, and it's, it's a bit of a shame. Um, you know, again, so we were able to see, see that, see the benefit of that and the ability to, you know, make matching decisions on what ads to serve based on, you know, that historical data. Um, yeah. so really, really your point is well, is well said. So you're just envisioning an internet without any w websites. It's just the search engine. Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but I do. But well, you have made you have made a shift. You have made a shift to apps, right? Yes. And and you've gotten religion. Yes. Uh, I, can I, you talk about your where your latest focus is? Yeah. So um, so one of the things there were two things when you know when I was in the CDP space and you know, starting to think about what was next for me, um, you know, after doing consulting and basically being a hired gun. Um, and I wanted uh, for sure to do something uh, in consumer uh, because I had done a lot of B2B and I started actually in e-commerce doing D2C back in 1998. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, <laughs> and, um, and so I'm apologizing to myself for, for being so old. Um, and so I really wanted to get back to consumer because I, I love that and kind of full circle for my career. Um, and then, of course, I also wanted to be in the app world because I felt like the web, um, whatever they're calling it now, Web3, I guess we're on. I just not bullish about the web with all the, uh, all the challenges uh, that exist um, and privacy and hacking and et cetera, et cetera. So um, so I wanted to be in the app space. That was, I think, um, uh, a better place to be for consumers. Uh, so um, I actually was um, looking for roles and ideas. And um, my co-founder, uh, Bradley, uh, basically, I met him. He came up with this. He had this idea um, of, you know, Facebook for religion. And I thought, oh, that's you know, somewhat interesting. I'm not an incredibly religious person, but, you know, this is when COVID was just happening. And I had had a friend who was very ill and in the hospital. And what I noticed was everybody got really religious very quickly. Um, and so, which makes sense and, and is understandable. And of course we needed, a lot of people needed their faith uh, at that time and still do. Um, and I had a, a ton of respect for that uh, and understand the need uh, and I myself uh, needed it a bit too uh, during during that period, um, but I was starting to become aware, you know, that there just wasn't a lot there um, digitally. So with 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 COVID when it hit, uh, worship shifted online like everything else, like we're doing Zooms right now, and actually attendance went up through the roof really um, for um, for religious leaders and institutions. Um, but the uh, community aspect of religion, which is huge, right? You're in a men's club or you're on a softball team or, you know, you're doing a, a fundraiser or, um, you know, youth education or all these aspects that are present in, in community aspects uh, of faith and religion. Uh, they didn't really have, uh, they didn't transfer with COVID because there wasn't anything for that. Um, you know, religious leaders had built you know, Facebook groups or had WhatsApp or use their email uh, for that. So I saw this real opportunity to build an app uh, as a service to uh, faith and religious uh, community. So people can come on, uh, create community, build community, uh, no matter what faith you were. Um, and for us to provide the tools and services for free uh, for them uh, and to help them have a place to organize, grow uh, in uh, the modern world. Um, so that's what I've been doing. It's called exalt.app. If you go to the website, uh, we do have a website, just uh, we need to have a website for certain things uh, like a privacy policy and such. Um, 
but um, we have a little video there. It tells you a little bit about what we're doing, but we've been working on it now for about oh, close to a year and a half. Uh, we're almost ready to launch in App Store, um, and we've had some tremendously positive feedback. So uh, it's a really exciting, exciting place to be, uh, really exciting, you know, learning a lot, learning a ton, uh, great team of people um, helping me with this. So it's been a fantastic experience so far. That's that's really interesting. I, I look I look forward to seeing uh, seeing what you built, and I'm going to allude that I would easily make jokes about you putting uh, faith in faith when you won't even put faith into measurement systems in digital <laughs> ad tech. But those things write themselves; they don't even need to be said. We're all thinking them, so they can they can all they can all do that. But it's uh, again, I think that's a really interesting. Uh, story and especially coming out of out of the the genesis of that. So so thanks for sharing with that. No so, pun intended, Rob. No, no. The uh, the, again, yes. some very, of the stuff. Very, very awesome. good. You are. Yes, impressive. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just blessed sometimes when it comes to this. So uh, I, this is something we you know again we're kind of beyond where I thought we'd land in terms of time with this. But if you're willing to take an ad monsters flashback, it's very possible that I they, I'm going to create this kind of series <laughs> with this. Um, you know what, Mark? Cue the music. All right. <laughs> or Stranger Things vibe. Well, it's a uh, a knockoff. So Mark oh. Mark was able to get a CD from a guy in the street, and and it. What was the name of this, uh, the music there, Mark? Uh, it's Mysterious Strange Things. Yeah. <laughs> so just. <laughs> Just for anyone listening in on this podcast, the worst part we, about it is I, I've infected my computer with a bunch of you know <laughs> viral right. malware now. <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. Uh, I should. I should so uh, Jonathan actually has has uh, t talked to a number of ad monsters, and you know, again, I I've been the guy who reaches out to him to have him speak. Right, like I I've been trying to do that, and, I, and it's even invited you after this particular incident. And I want to make sure that you have, I'm going to, I'm going to pause every once in a while to allow you to defend yourself. I'm excited. So where I'll start with this is just actually an event before that, where I was in London and I had a keynote speaker who was a little nervous and I could see he was nervous. And because there had been some history there, I actually had a waiter deliver him a beer while he was on stage. Right. So it was, it was pretty awesome. It was again, the guy you know, with a plate, handing him a beer and he goes like, he's like fucking brilliant. And boom, downs it. And next thing you know, his keynote's there. But then from that point on, every session after that, all of my speakers were like, where's our beer? And it, it one, it became expensive. And two, it became <laughs> the shit show that you could imagine an event coming when you just continually just piling drinks on or whatever. I know that I told Jonathan this story. I had told him at the, at an event in New York about this, to which he proceeded to then start having some cocktails, some some Heinekens, I believe. Is, was, was <laughs> I do remember right? they were Heinekens, yes. See, so you do remember <laughs> some. And maybe that's what this whole thing is about, is helping you remember. Because I had a wrap-up panel with you. Um, I think it was Alan Singer is the name, I think, that, that pops in my mind. Um, and I have never lost control of a conversation quicker than you and Alan just, no, it wasn't Alan Singer. I'm thinking of someone else. I, I will, I will think through who, who, who it was. He was pontificating about the role of advertising and whatever. 
Jonathan, do you remember what you were doing while you were up on stage and what you were talking? About? Sounds like I was drinking Heineken's. <laughs> you were drinking Heineken's and pretty much telling everyone in the room that they were fucked. Uh, is pretty much what your takeaway was. So, well, I'm sure they've all gone on and gotten promotions and now uh, are are the leaders of the ad tech industry. So I was probably wrong. <laughs> See, and that's. That's the closure I think that I needed because there's a, while, while I, it isn't in circulation, there is a, there was a video, you know, like we did like a little sizzle reel of the event and the look on my face while you were talking. So there's a scene of you talking and whatever. And just the look at my face of just complete, I, I look like Sam, the Eagle. Like I didn't even know my face could kind of do that, but it was literally just like, how could you? Because again, and you had empties on the stage, like you had Heineken's underneath you on that stage. So um, well, I remember that's what this that whole podcast is about was to was call you agency, out on this. It was an agency guy. So obviously yep. he was spewing bullshit. Um, but, <laughs> but, and I, I think I, I know who it was. I don't remember his last name now, but it was Andy something. I think Andy, you're right. So yeah. that Alan Singer, cause Alan Singer is actually a really good guy. We yes, let's work not. with it. It's just, it's close to that. So I we'll leave it at that. Okay. You know what? How about this? Keep subscribe to the podcast. And if you see that I have a guest named Andy, it could be Andy, and then I'm going to bring him out because apparently this is what this has become now that I realize this whole podcast is a revenge thing where I get to kind of call out people who gave me, you know, problems with, with, with my session. So I feel good. Bueller's Revenge. That's, yeah. that's a little more. No, I see Mark likes that. It's a little more. Uh, you know. <laughs> something to, yeah, it might be harder to get more clickbaity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, well, I'm glad to have outed you and and make people realize the kind of individual that you really are, Jonathan, uh, the disguise behind this, this uh, the thing that I set you up for. So I got my revenge. No, seriously. Um, Thank you for for being someone who kind of again stirs up the conversation. You 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 definitely do that, and and appreciate you doing that here, giving some ideas about where people should be focused on. That's always really helpful. And uh, Jonathan, thanks for being a, a guest on what we're going to call the first episode because the first two, uh, let's just say we 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 had some rough spots. I think this time we actually made it through. So Jonathan, thank you. Oh, wonderful! It's my pleasure, and thank you for having me. And. Uh, um, always enjoy speaking with you, Rob, as you know. You got it. You got it. Machine, cue that end music. <laughs>